This is Derek Moyer, and welcome to the Freedom Fighter Podcast. I had felt to play this song, and I'm sure it'll mean a lot to quite a lot of you in here. Uh, when I was younger, it was a song that, that I just heard, and it done something to me as a young boy. And, uh, you know, but nobody was there to tell me what it really meant. Nobody was there to say, you know, uh, take you by the hand and, and lead you into it. And the song is Everybody Hurts But I Am. And, you know, I, I, I remember hearing that and it had a profound impact. <laughs> a profound impact on me when I was younger. But now, see, the, the, thing, the thing is, for us now, these places we're talking about, everybody does hurt. And it's alright to hurt. And it's alright to feel sad. It's alright to have grief. And, and it's alright to express the grief. Because we've been taught that, no, just push that away, just go on with your life, don't show weakness. And the reality is, as Elaine's saying, that the impact of it all <coughs> is we end up not being able to feel. Because when we don't actually allow those feelings to come, yes. we end up, the thing is pushed down and we become numb and it's repressed and we can't feel. So let, let's just, in the context of what has been said this morning and what God has been saying to you, and it may be just that we nudge to say, hey, it's okay, it's okay to feel that. We're on the same boat, everybody does hurt. But the, 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 the part that Elaine is saying, you know, uh, although weeping may endure for the night, joy does come in the morning, but I have to get through the pain first. I can't start saying, I'm not want to face this, don't talk to me about that, I don't want to deal with it. You know, I need to feel the pain. And that's why that song, there's about 150 million views for somebody to put it up about seven years ago. That's how impactful, because everybody does hurt, and it's all right.
So maybe somebody just needs to settle their emotions after that. Eh? Yeah. So I just ask you to close your eyes, put your hand over your heart, and we'll just do some breathing exercises and just center ourselves. So big deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And just release that. The Spirit of God is with us. So Lord, we thank you for what we have heard this morning so far. We thank you for your presence here today. Being with us so that our days and our nights were not alone. That you're always with us. Your word says that you'd never leave us and never forsake us. And although many times through our lives we may have felt forsaken, alone, abandoned, hurt, Jesus, you've drawn us towards you. And so Lord, we thank you for that amazing, compassionate love that you have for all of us. So Lord, as we Go on to the next part of our day. God, open us to wisdom, to strength, and to power. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, um, we're looking at kindness towards ourselves. Um, but I'm going to be looking at a thing, some of you might go, oh no. I'm going to look at a thing called Christian virtues as well. So when we hear Christian virtues, you think, oh, that's too lofty for us. But as I explain it, we'll find that these virtues, these ways of life that God wants for us, actually have to become internal before they become external. So my granddaughter's in a nativity play this year, right? She didn't have a major role. She was playing the part of a dove, which isn't a major role unless you think about the Holy Spirit. But she was just a wee lassie with some feathers and that, doing that on the stage. And um, I got asked to go, but I'd already committed some, to some important stuff in my work. So I'm thinking I could cancel that and just sneak off and go and watch my granddaughter in her nativity play. And people would think, well, that would do you be being kind to yourself. But the truth of the matter is, I'd already committed to something. And so actually the kind thing to do was to go to the thing I was committed to. And some would say, but this is your granddaughter. She never knew who was there and who was not there. She was that excited about her wee feathers if they were one. And as long as her mammy and her granny were there, she was fine. You know? So I never went and I thought, that was the right thing to do, even though it felt a wee slightly uncomfortable, you know, because my desire was to go and see my granddaughter. So when we talk about authenticity, we always hear people, be authentic to yourself. If I was being authentic, I would have went to the play, but that's no authenticity, okay? Real authenticity is doing the right thing with the right heart. Come on. That's real authenticity. my water there. 
So anyway, today we're going to look at um, kindness towards ourselves. So the demands of modern living, uh, and we've been through a lot of this, so I'm only going to take a second or two. It's difficult to switch off, and I don't just mean computers and phones. Sometimes we, in our workplaces and our lives, are always on. And if you're always on, you're not taking any time to rest. And so some of the discussions we were talking about is to take time to rest. To, and when I say switch off, I mean stop, be kind, rest in God. That's what I mean. Um, so when I was a wee boy, about five years of age, um, I got discovered. You wouldn't believe that. This is before X Factor and all that sort of stuff, right? I could show you the newspaper clippings. But I used to sing a bit, right? I don't know. My voice broke and I made a mess of it, right? Um, so, plus I did something in my vocal cords due to some other things that were passing through that. Anyway, um, however, but when I was five, the BBC came out to the house and took wee photos and I was in the papers and all that, right? And my mummy and dad were dead proud of the David Thompson five-year-old pop star, right? There was only five at the time, right? And I won a couple of competitions. And I was on the telly and all that. And, um, that was a burden that I had to carry for the rest of my life. It's a burden to perform and be for others who they wanted me to be. Maybe to my boss or to my wife or to my parents. And so I learned how to be a chameleon. So what is a chameleon? A chameleon is one of these animals that changes shape uh, or changes colour so that it can hide, so that it can protect itself. So I learned how to be a chameleon. So when I was with an ex, I'd walk around, how you doing, boys? So I had a strange thing. So I was... I had to go to Sunday school on a Sunday so I could get, get playing a game of football on the Saturday, yeah, yeah. right? Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And if he didn't go to Sunday school, yeah, he didn't get a game. So I wanted a game. So I, I had to go and listen to my BB leaders talk. Actually, I had some profound spiritual experiences during that season. But I forgot about them because yeah. when you're 13 and 14, you don't think about that, you know? So on a Sunday, I'm doing, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And on Monday night, I'm stealing off the beer lorry and writing, you do rules, okay? <laughs> How do you do that? And nobody, I, I feel that nobody else that I was played with yeah. did that. Yeah. They had their wee group of BB people. And the Neds had their wee group. They never went to the BB. I was sent. Yeah. Uh, so I had to learn how to do that. And it seemed to me the hooligan fraternity was a better bet it was very exciting there was stuff today there was drugs, there was up. not so much drugs in the days but plenty of booze, gambling trying to chat my women because we're in the west of Scotland this is for guys here but the women will benefit from this as well we're told in the west of Scotland do you know a rite of passage going from boyhood to manhood what are rites of passage get a bird be able to fight. Yeah. Be able to play football was important, by the way, and some, and some and masculine it was. So if you're a diddy at football, you get picking goals. You felt rejected for the rest of your life. <laughs> so, 
And so, all these rites of passage, sex, drink, fine, that was a west of Scotland thing. And so to become a man, you had to be able to do all these things. It's nonsense. (coughs) It's total and utter nonsense. But it prevails still today in our modern society. And we need to try and find a way of stopping that. I believe that there is an answer to this. And we know the answer. The answer is in Christ. So it's difficult. I don't know how I got onto that. So definitely switch off. Schedule, schedule, schedule. Family's right. Okay, change it down. So um, I want to have a wee look at this slide here. Um, Ephesians 1, 6 to 8. Next slide, that's it. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased our freedom, freedom from being a chameleon. Eh? Um, with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has shown, he has showered us, listen to these words, showered us in kindness on us and along with all wisdom and understanding. Somebody showed a, a picture of a sponge yesterday, was it here? Yeah. That's such a really, really powerful image of this sponge. We are saturated. We just don't realise it. I can just get this. I'm talking to myself here. We are saturated in the love and grace and mercy and power of God. We're saturated in it. Right? Showered and saturated. And when Jesus comes along and gives his sponge a wee squeeze, we're supposed to serve the world with Christ. And I mean by that, I don't mean the world's ways. I mean serve our communities. That's what I mean. People. But sometimes what we need, so often when we are newly saved or We've just got off the drugs or the booze or something new happens. We dive in. <laughs> Superman has arrived, right? And we are telling you all this. And we want to tell everybody stuff. Uh, and all your families, we have done that, I've done that. Sat down and lectured to them. You know, you don't really know how to live properly. You know? oh dear, what a pain in the ass I must have been. <laughs> When I think about it now, right? Maybe I still am. I don't know. Uh, so we need a wee bit of wisdom. And to negotiate the challenges in life. Sure, we get wisdom from learning and applying the principles of God. He's given us enough. It's inside us. But sometimes we don't know how to access it. I thought the wisdom of... The, the thing my take away for this whole weekend is one sentence that Derek said in fact and that is rest is not the same as idleness mm. and I thought is it not so me lying in front of the telly watching the football isn't it rest that's me zoning out I was speaking to my wife last night in the phone because <coughs> I've got a new revelation I want to tell her I still date yet <laughs> so where can you this she says oh, that's right Dave that's just zoning out that's not taking rest. What she does every afternoon, uh, that she's not working, she'll take two hours, she'll put meditation music on, and she'll lie on the couch, resting in God. 
she's far better at it than I am. Um, so, be, so I need wisdom. So this uh, wee meditation that we're going to do is, um, again, I want you to remember that these meditations were not particularly done for a Christian market, but they can be applied. So you need to apply the Christ part in it for yourself. Um, because my job also includes helping people that might not be Christian. Um, however, these things are really helpful. Inner wisdom. Sometimes we wonder if we have any wisdom. And this might be because we tend to think of all the mistakes we've made. So before we take this meditation, it's good to know the starting point of all wisdom. The reason for these statements is not for you to think of all the things that you've done wrong. That's easy, and anyone can do that. In fact, as I speak, you've probably come up with a couple of already. There's nothing you can do about it now. It's gone. It's yesterday. It's history. If we hold on to error, we simply create space for more error. And so, this is a time to let go of yesterday and come into today. Amazingly, you have wisdom lying within you. If we can access this wise part of ourselves, then we will begin to make decisions based on our accumulated wisdom. If you're ready to awaken your inner wisdom, this meditation will help you to recognize the voice of wisdom that lies in each of us. Inner wisdom is always gently approving of us, never critical. Wisdom grows the more we do this meditation. Listen for its gentle nudges. And now, sitting quietly with your eyes closed, choose a space that's familiar and comfortable. Rest easily in the meditation. Watch your breath. Move in and out of your body. Release any tightness. And let your muscles grow loose. When you feel yourself moving into this space of calm, Set your intention to tap in to your inner wisdom, knowledge, and intuition. Repeat to yourself three times. I am ready and willing 
to awaken my inner wisdom. And now, bring to mind a scenario or issue or problem that you're currently facing and which you would like your inner wisdom to assist you with. Think about how this issue affects you and what it would be like if you were no longer to have this issue or be affected by it. As you breathe, slip deeper and deeper into yourself. Allow yourself just to be. Become aware of the space and energy around you and the space inside you. Now visualize that you're standing in front of an indigo door. And this bluish purple door has a golden handle. Your intuition and truest desire is to reside on the other side of this door. Gently opening the door and when you're ready, walk through it. The energy in this room is love and peace and filled with light. In this room, you will be able to see feel or hear your inner wisdom. Maybe you can see a light being or a version of yourself or maybe your inner wisdom can't be seen but its words will become clear. Or maybe your inner wisdom surrounds you gently guiding you along the right path. Whatever you see is right for you. Feel the bond forming between you and this place or person of wisdom. Let the energy of wisdom fill you Experience the connection that is deepening. And now bring to mind again the issue that you were thinking of. Asking your inner wisdom, what can I do to resolve this? 
remaining quiet and open in this light-filled room, allow the answer to flow to you in whatever way it naturally comes. And now, asking what steps you need to take for your ideal outcome. Be open. And succumb to you. And finally, ask wisdom a question of your choice. Allow it to deliver the answer to you. gratitude in your heart. Say thank you to wisdom. Be ready to leave the room, knowing that you can return at any time, and that your inner wisdom is always working for you. Return to see the indigo door, and exiting the room, feeling yourself coming back into awareness of your body. Focus now on your breathing. Feeling grounded and awake. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back into the room. The Bible tells us quite a lot about wisdom. But it cries, wisdom cries from the street. <coughs> wanting us to take hold of it. Crying. Desperate for us to use. And for those of us who have the Holy Spirit, and those who are to know Jesus, he has given us access to his mind and his wisdom. The Bible says, you have the mind of Christ. <gasps> so if we have the mind of Christ, how come we do such stupid things? <laughs> because the mind is not our behaviour. It's not even our thinking. It's much, much more than that. It's our emotions, our spirit, if you like, and our thinking and our behaviour. It's all one. It's all encased in these cells called our body. And you've got the body you've got and it's fine and you can look after it or not look after it. It's up to you. 
right? Uh, I would suggest that the healthier you are in your body, the healthier you be in your mind. Uh, of that, I've no doubt. But I want to look about being kind towards ourselves. So often, when we don't achieve the standard, then we give ourselves a hard time. Not only do we give ourselves a hard time, but sometimes other people give us a hard time. And that's even worse because then we get a reaction. It's strange. Somebody else might say to you, you're an idiot. Five minutes earlier you were saying to yourself, I'm an idiot. Now when they tell you you're an idiot, you want to fight with them. How come? How come? Because what you're trying to protect is that wee part that was criticised when you were young, that was told you weren't good enough, or that was told you had to perform to be acceptable. And if you didn't perform well, love was removed. My Jesus says, even if you don't perform well, I can't be any closer to you. This is too profound. I often hear people saying, I'm away for God. Well, what they mean is, there's no an awareness of God. If you've been born again, if you have Jesus, he'll not leave you, even though you're doing all the other stuff. That yeah. He'll leave you to it, yeah. but he won't leave you. Yeah. And that's where people get mixed up. Yeah. He's always in the midst of, the, even in the darkness, I'm with you. Mm. I bring light to the darkness. How can he bring light to the darkness if he doesn't enter in there? So, we're learning to be kind towards ourselves. And I want to use um, these virtues. We'll start. So first of all, what is a virtue? So when I hear virtue, I always think of somebody. A virtuous person. I always think, strangely enough, it's usually of a woman. Middle-aged, middle-class, tall, elegant. that. I don't know where I got that idea that that was virtue. But I suppose through the media and kind of movies and all that that I was brought up on. Virtuous people always seem to be middle-class, well-dressed people. And Egypt's were always working-class people. Um, but it's not actually true, is it? No. Uh, but we as Christians are called to be an example to others, to guide others uh, in the way of God. Virtue in our society is... Um, has been reduced. This is what virtue is in our modern society. See, as long as it doesn't harm anybody else, it's fine. That's the virtue of the world. It's a scary, scary virtue, that, isn't it? Eh? But to have a Christ-like character means um, having integrity, honesty, we spoke about it last night, loving even when it's hard to love. Being kind, having some self-control. Mm-hmm. To have self-control, we have to recognise what it is that stops us having the control when we really need it. Because often we say, I need control, 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 control. And you might have a wee breakthrough and you might manage to break through. So let's just say, let's just say, one of the things that you were trying to do um, I'm just trying to think of something fairly simple, right? Because um, self-control is always a bit of an issue, right? It's a real challenge. We talk because we think that's to do uh, with all sorts. Of, so eating, right? So I went for a wee walk just this morning, 
and I have been losing some weight, so I'm quite successful at that, so I'm going, yes, yes. just for now, by the way, right, <laughs> I've had my days, you know, I remember losing four stone, gaining four stone, losing four, I've lost about 60 stone in the last five years, <laughs> it's just the same four stone off and on again, three stone like that, so. <laughs> uh, so. So we're always battling uh, different things. Um, and so let's say we're trying to, to, to do something. We think this is, let's say stop eating crap was a virtuous thing to do. The way that so often people do this, if they're just doing it by their own power, and let's say they're successful. See, when they see you not being successful, they'll tell you, you know, here's what I did. You do the same and you'll be fine. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> I'm different for you that might be your journey and that's good for you but please allow me to find my way allow me to find my now I'm open to guidance I'm open to help but I'm not open for you to try to make me like you actually I just want to be like Jesus and I'm so so far away from it. You know, somebody explained it to me you know I I think it was um, somebody had said to me about, you know, um, the love of God. And uh, no, it was to do with salvation. I'm sure you must have seen this illustration. Um, so most people think salvation, if I'm really good, then I get accepted. If I really perform, then I'll cross that invisible line that gets me into heaven and gets me saved, right? Um, I can cross this and somewhere this invisible line. And actually, and that, if you get above the invisible line, you get in. If you're below the invisible line, you're for hell. Right? And everybody's invisible line is different. How there is one, I don't know. Actually, the truth is, it's sin. And all of us have sinned. Yeah. All fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. All of us. So the invisible line is right in the deck. Mm-hmm. We've all failed. Mm-hmm. All of us have failed. Isn't it great to be amongst sinners? <laughs> yeah. Set free by the one who knew no sin in him. Yes. It's a bit, it's upside down, isn't it? That yeah. yeah. he comes towards us. Next slide, Derek. So the first three virtue I want to speak about is love. And then these three remain faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. So love is greater than faith and greater than hope and that both faith and hope need love. Love doesn't need the other two. Right? They're apart. Love is, if you like, faith and hope are a part of love. A loveless faith is nothing more. A loveless faith is nothing more than an empty religion. And as Paul says, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Without love, there can be no genuine hope. A loveless hope is an oxymoron. So that just means that it's kind of opposite. doesn't really work because we can't truly hope for something um, that we don't love. We think we are. 
But we've actually got to love something before we can truly hope for it. And I'm not talking about wee desires. I hope I can go uh, on holiday this year to Tenerife. Right, that's just a desire. I'm talking about real, real hope. <coughs> and I think it's really important that we internalise some of this love as well. So often in, di- in all the different stories we've heard, and I'm sure in this room today, there are many people who had, let's just call it a dysfunctional background, a dysfunctional history, one where genuine love was either in very small portions or we had a mixed up idea of what... So I think my mommy and daddy loved me with all of the, the ability that they had yeah. to love. They were just victims yeah. of their own upbringing. Yeah. So there's no condemnation for them. But that doesn't mean I'm not allowed to feel the heart. Yeah. You see the difference? Because people go, I'm feeling the heart because of what my mum had done to me or what my dad done to me. Oh, I've got to honour my mum and dad. No, that's not the... I didn't go back to them and say, oh, by the way... Well, I did. <laughs> I did to my ma one time. So I just, you know how when we learn this new stuff, right, I'm just training as a counsellor. Oh, this isn't my fault, this isn't my fault. I'm telling her. <laughs> what a huge mistake that was. So I said, Ma, I need to have a word. What is that? I've given her a lift home. I said, By the way, Ma, see when I was a wee boy, uh, you know, you hurt me a lot. And you didn't accept me many times. And it was just a mistake, right? Because Mama's a dra- drama queen. God love her, right? And she went, oh, 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 That's a, I'm the worst mother in the whole world. Just leave, go away. I'm like, what did I do? I'm trying to do the right thing here. The truth is, God love her. God love her. She's just dramatised that she didn't know any better. Yeah. She was a victim of her upbringing. I'm yeah. I'm still a wee boy wanting his mammy to rescue her. And it never happened my whole life. How was I going to expect it to happen as an adult? I don't know. But that's what I was looking for. And I had to later tell her she was amazing. Yeah. And say, Ma, see your cooking. Uh, Wasn't it great, by the way? <laughs> I said, I've never tasted any soup like yours. <laughs> right? She took that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> that's love, that's love. <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> strangely enough, let's go to the next virtue and you'll see this. We'll get some fun with this. Honesty. So, Proverbs, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So, Duplicity, what is duplicity? Being double-minded. Yeah. Or you know, being honest or being true to who you are in whatever circumstance you're in. So we have to discover who we are. I think that was said yesterday. We have to discover who we are before we can discover how to be authentic and honest with ourselves. Um, nothing ever comes good of lying to ourselves. <coughs> try it and see what happens. We've tried it so many times. I'll be this time. It'll be all right. Many times have we said that. I'm just going to try this 
Me half a whiskey will be fine. Eh? Two days later, you're lying in the jail. It's what happened to me. Yeah. But it'll be fine. So how do we do this uh, honesty and integrity thing? So we do this by first of all reflecting on what our words and our actions have been in that day. So I like evening reflection. And I'll look back over my day and I'll say, Dave, that was a bit crappy there. Um, But I try not to get into condemnation and judgment. There's usually a a reason behind it, some flaw in me, or I've reacted out of a traumatised part. I'm not there to judge. But by looking. And if we honestly look and desire personal growth and change, it will happen. But if we think we're alright, there's nothing to change. Next slide, Derek. I just want to say, we don't do denial in this business. You know, we try not to do denial. There's well-being denial at times. But when we discover we're in denial, or we're lying to ourselves, denial's just lying to ourselves. Uh, when we discover it, we can do something about it. But please, there's enough. The world's got enough big sticks out to try and beat you up. You don't need to do that for yourself. Um, here's a challenging one, eh? So these are virtues that we're talking about. Not behaviour traits, well, kind of, right? But virtues include... Um, so uh, this idea of virtue is a way that we think and behave or aspire to. We can aspire to these standards. All of us are a work in progress. Amen. Anybody reach perfection yet? MD a million miles away from perfection. Yeah, come on. But it's okay. We're on this exciting journey. Our salvation is secured. Thank it's God. secured. Eternity is secured. Come on. Right? Our walk with Jesus is secured. Come on. His constant companionship is secured. Come on. No need for us to try and grasp for it anymore. It's there. Mm-hmm. So, sensual morality. Um, Corinthians says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits is outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who who you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Why on earth is this? The sexual immorality thing is such a big problem for people. Um, but here's my, the story that I've got to tell is my, my favourite one about um, Paul Newman. You had the Paul Newman, the actor, right? Good looking guy, 60s, 70s superstar, right? He was the king of Hollywood at the time. Good looking guy, it's the kind of guy I model myself on. Uh, not quite, but uh, you can see it, can you? Uh, me and Paul Newman. Uh, anyway, he married Joanne Woodward, right? And she's no, uh, she's no, anyway. 
He married John Woodward. And um, it was a successful marriage, which is unusual in Hollywood. You know, because they've got all the money. And all, all the trappings. But they don't have relational happiness. And that's 90% of the marriages in Hollywood that are full of riches. Because, you see, having all that stuff, yeah. and it's great to go and chase after, and then once you get it, what are you chasing for next? And then next, the next, and next. You see, there's only one thing that satisfies, and that's Christ. Yeah. That's all that satisfies. The other things might be nice to have, but they never truly satisfy. Yeah. And it's the same with our sex lives. So, anyway, Paul Newman, John, would like to go back to her. Um, so, she was being interviewed in one of these late night television programs like Letterman or something like that. You know these late night American things. Anyway, while she was being interviewed, the interviewer said, so Paul is a superstar. Yeah. She, she says, he's, he's the idol of millions of women across the world. They think he's wonderful, amazing. Those deep blue eyes, his acting prowess, his good looks, his physique. Yeah, 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 he's got all of that. And uh, the women fancy him all over the world. They send him letters. Some of them, so the, the John Woodrow says, some of the girls even send him, you know, pictures of themselves naked uh, and with marriage proposals in it. Um, and one time he went to his hotel room and found a naked woman lying in the bed. And he just got the hotel to put her out. And uh, so the guy says, so Joanne, do you ever get jealous of all these women that desire your husband? And she said, no, never. And he said, why? Why, why not? She says, well, you see, Paul loves himself and his body too much, that the bimbos who do this have got absolutely nothing to offer him. And he's chosen me to share his physical body with. And that was a successful man. You see, he had enough love for himself, enough love for his wife, that he didn't need anything from anyone else. And we need to get to that place with our bodies. You see, can you love yourself enough not to give that up to people that don't deserve it. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. That's what sexual morality is. Eh? And even if we don't see our bodies as sacred, God does. Because He has placed the Holy Spirit in. And so we have, so we're always talking about transformation. Actually, we've already been transformed, and all what we're trying to do is access that transformation. Because as long as we live, we'll never separate our holiness from our sinfulness or our spirituality from our humanity. They're not, they can't be separated as we walk in this life. We can think about them in different ways, but they're not really separate. You're going to have to walk out this life with all the crap that goes along with it, but also with all the joy. Yeah. With all of the joy. Next one, Derek. Now we is trust. And everything, setting an example by doing what is good and you're teaching, show integrity and seriousness. So Paul's speaking to a young Timothy here. So he's trying to say to him, just get things right, Timothy. Be honest with the people. 
And that honesty will shine through. Come on. And when he, I think when Paul, Paul was, it seems to me that Paul was quite a serious guy anyway. He was serious about everything, right? But I don't mean miserableness. Seriousness, see, when I think serious, when he's got a serious face, I think he's a school teacher. You say, sit down, shut up, behave. That's seriousness to me. But actually, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about serious, uh, show integrity. And, and another word for this seriousness is what you have has got weight. Yeah. It's got significance. It is a serious thing you're telling people. It's their life. That's the seriousness he's talking about. It's not saying be gruff. Um, so, one of the big challenges with trust, if you've lost trust, again as a child, lost basic trust. So, basic trust. So, when you're a baby, we tiny baby, um, and your mommy feeds you, you go like that, ah, fed, ah, changed, right? Ah, oh, there, 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 right? So that happens. Here's the amazing thing that happens between zero and what, two, two and a half, right? And, and then we become toddlers, a different part of the brain starting to develop now. So when you're zero to two, you are the king of the world. Because you cry out. And mummy comes and looks after you and comforts you and gives you what you need. Now, when you didn't get that, you've got a space that requires to be filled. There's pain there. Spoke about it yesterday when these needs are not there. There's physical pain. And then you get to zero to two and suddenly you're socialised into thinking, "Um, actually, I'm not the king of the world, but I want to be. (laughs) So... When these wee kids go into nursery and they see somebody else with a ball, they just go up and grab it. And they take it and then we say, no, no, you need to learn to share. <laughs> we've just been teaching them for two years that they're the king of the world. And then they've got to share. They've never had to share before. And there's two. They don't even understand what share means. But that's how we do it. We'll have to teach them and socialise them and do it kindly. Uh, and if that wasn't done kindly... If, like me, mm-hmm. showing unkindness towards someone, taking some, <laughs> hey, you, that's no yours. Yeah. Now I'm punished for being the king of the world. Yeah. Wait a minute, what's going on here? So no wonder we get hurt and broken, eh? Here's the strange thing, though. So when you're two, two to four, your brain is going, yeah. I mean, the neurons that are connecting at that young age is, Amazing it. It's attaching to your emotions. <coughs> it's attaching to everything. It's starting to make sense to the world. You watch a, a, a toddler. They're taking everything. Everything. I remember my mother-in-law. She'd said something to my daughter one time. I said, don't say that to her. Kate, hurt her feelings. So my mother-in-law's Irish. And she said, sure. At that age, they don't have feelings. <laughs> what? Eh? But she actually believed that. But they do have feelings. We had to teach my mother-in-law. You have feelings. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Here's the important thing about trust. If you've done something wrong, and all of us have done something wrong, and people have stopped trusting you for that, 
There's a belief system, that, and especially when it happens young, there's a wee belief system that says, I am untrustworthy. Yeah. And at some deep level, mm-hmm. we believe that. And so we have to go into that space with Jesus. And he trusts us enough to give us this amazing salvation. He trusts us enough to walk with him. He trusts us enough to know that even when we get it wrong, even if it takes us our whole life, we'll come back to him. I just, once you've got Jesus, I'm telling you nothing, I, I see people have tried atheism and all sorts of isms but I have to say Jesus truly is the answer I've tried them all honestly I tried a wee bit of Zen Buddhism for a while I couldn't empty my mind (laughs) Uh, I tried it all but all the time when when I've discovered and I had to go and try all these things I was on a search for God and most people are just searching for God And the problem that we have in this day and age is that the church hasn't made Jesus very attractive. (laughs) Do this, do that, do this, do this, attend this, attend that, do this, do this, case your money will be fine. (laughs) And so, as far as I'm concerned, the church is the body. See, I'm very comfortable in this group here. Because we meet at a similar level. We're sinners saved by grace. We know that we're struggling through life and we've no got it made. I'm not in the made it crowd. Anybody else? You said it today. I'm not in the made it crowd. Okay. So can you go to that place and begin with? See what you're really trusting in. Is trusting in the Christ within you. Yeah. Yeah. That's who the real trust is. So, if you can access that wee part of you that's been told you're untrustworthy. See, that may have been true at one point. Mm-hmm. But when I rest in God, when I spend time with God, <coughs> I can trust His wisdom working through me. Now that's a journey. Mm-hmm. That's a journey, but when you've had a couple of wee successes, when you've stopped <coughs> taking time to seek God and move through, that's just amazing. Yeah. You go, how did I not think of that? Because you know God. <laughs> Next one, Derek. We're nearly there. Um, so kindness and hospitality, the, the title of this thing is as we're being kind towards ourselves or loving ourselves. Or, but I love this idea of, therefore, as we, have the, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So we do have to look after one another. It's very, very important. But have you thought about being kind to you? I want you to just think for a moment. What is the kindest thing somebody could do for you? The kindest thing. Now I'm here saying, give me a million pounds. <laughs> give me a big holiday. 
small things. So some people might need time, depending on your love language. There's a book called The Five Love Languages, which is actually a really good book. You should, if you've not read The Five Love Languages, get it. Uh, by a guy called Chapman, I think it is. Gary Chapman, yeah. Um, great book in getting to know your love language and being kind. So I, th- I can't remember all of them, but um, uh, so my love, my love language is um, eh? No, I don't need affirmation. Strangely enough, I kind of get embarrassed. No, no. Acts of service. I love that. See, when my wife makes me a wee cup of tea, there's two really important things for me: is is acts of service and gifts. I'm no needy, am I? <laughs> I love gifts, but I don't like big gifts. I like wee stupid things that you know. If my daughter's on it and she's picked up something for a key ring or something, some just to be thought of. Yes. Just to be thought of. And when you've been brought up in a world uh, where, and this isn't a slagging off of my family, my whole family, all they thought about was themselves and what was happening with them, where they were going to get their next fix from, whatever that fix might have been. So we have to learn, to, sometimes we have to learn to be kind towards ourselves. And kindness towards ourselves isn't necessarily about getting stuff, it's about getting value. You see, if you don't value who you are, you won't be kind to yourself. Yeah. And the other thing, if you don't value who you, who you are, you'll not expect kindness from others. Yeah. So, it's really important to have an expectation of kindness. So, my wife um, said, she was going down to the shops one day, she said, Dave, I'm really looking forward to getting down to the centre. I I can't imagine that's even slightly a good idea to go down to the shopping mall. But she was quite pleased about it, right? I thought, what? She said, I'm really looking forward to it. She said, I says, hang on, I just know I'm going to be blessed today. I says, how do you know? I don't know. I'm just in one of these moods where I know I'm going to be blessed. So anyway, she goes into, I don't know, New Look or something like that. And uh, so she tells, she came home all excited. She says, wait, I tell you. She goes into New Look, she says, and she starts talking to the wee lassie, and she got these pair of trousers that were 35% off, and then the lassie at the counter says, oh, eh, she says, I can give another discount on that, and she ended up getting them half price, so she was delighted with that. And then she went to Costa, uh, coffee and a cake, and the wee lassie behind the counter says, you know, every day we're allowed to give a coffee and a cake away to a customer, and you're at the day. And she says, well, I tell you, I just knew God was going to bless me today. And he's just due to bless me. What an opportunity for evangelism. But she didn't take it any further, but she planted a seed. Isn't that just amazing? So kindness, very, very important. We've often heard about random acts of kindness. Um, But I wonder if we do... See, I've loved this weekend because everything we've spoken about this week, the people have been sitting, touching hearts and pain and stuff that's difficult to deal with. And yet we're talking about the rest of God. (laughs) Go and find the rest of God. Be kind towards yourself in the middle of your pain. In the middle of difficult times, it's still okay to be kind towards yourself.
move on to Derek. Uh, nearly there, folks. What time are we finished now? Uh, lunch is at one. Oh, right, okay. Ten minutes So, uh, faith is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding at all. I love this word, all. It appears in the Bible all the time. <laughs> all. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make a path straight. How can we get to the place where um, we can truly say, I'm not depending on my own understanding. I'm going to depend on God's. Now that might sound like a stupid thing to do. Because to me that sounds like I'm not going to prepare anything. I'm just going to walk and just blindly not plan anything. But that's not actually what it means it says don't lean on your own understanding in other words don't depend on your own understanding if you lean into something you're depending on it you're expecting a result and all you always acknowledge him lean into God so I don't even don't like that word lean lean to me feels pushy but when I think lean in the way that John, the disciple, leaned. Yeah. Yeah. What if we could just do that now? Is that too risky? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you just quietly. Make sure you're sitting beside somebody. Let's just lean your head on your shoulder. Just like that. Close your eyes. Do it quietly. Do it quietly. Feel us. <laughs> Just tell me that's fine. Just... Look at that. Look at the discomfort. That's why the chats come up. Quietly, please. You've only got two shoulders each and one head. Find some. That's fine. Rest. That's it. Can you just find a shoulder? Find a shoulder. You're okay. That's all right. You don't need to join in if you don't want. Can I ask you to? Close. Quietly. Can you trust? Can you trust that shoulder that you're leaning on? Imagine now Instead of leaning the person beside you, you were leaning into Jesus. And your head is now resting on his shoulders. Just as you do that, Kindness towards ourselves means recognising we don't need to have all the answers. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's willing to share everything. Are we willing to receive? 
so you can bring your heads back up. So that was nice and comfortable for some of you. Uncomfortable for others, but that's okay. Everybody's different. <laughs> now we're all right. Oh, you want a wee short son? <laughs> <laughs> Charles need to be shoulder to lean on later on. So. Yeah. Okay. Next one, Derek. There's another Christian virtue, one called hope. It says, be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Whoa. And faithful in prayer. I don't know about you, but see when I'm in affliction, see when I'm going through a hard time. My prayer life. It's usually a bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes disappears completely, but yeah. usually what's happening is the prayer life gets less and less and less, and then the affliction gets higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And so they both them run at the same time. So I do believe this. I've never yet met somebody that said, in my life, my problem is I pray too much. I've <laughs> never met a single person that does that. Not one. <laughs> But be joyful in hope. Yeah. It's hard to find hope in the times that we live. There's always something terrible going on in the media, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the jobs of the Christian church is to restore hope yeah. into the world. Absolutely. But we can't even remember, we can't even do it without love. Yeah. We start with love. But it's one of the roles. <laughs> Hope's always about believing that things are going to get better. For us, it should be no problem. Because we know that things are going to get better in this life. When we've got eternity and heaven. Sometimes a wee bit. Some people think heaven's a bit beyond me. Right? And it's difficult for us to conceptualise eternal life. But here's the thing. Your spirit has been saved. And your spirit is not part of a material world. We, it lives in a material world and at this stage can't be separated from it. When we die, the spirit gets separated from the body and we join Jesus in heaven. You can't get rid Even the scientists saying, we don't know what happens. Some of them have started noticing light starting to disappear from people's dead bodies. Light rising out in some of the... See, we can't see everything with our eyes. We only see a small part of the colour and light spectrum, <coughs> only a small part of it. That's why when we get to heaven, when he talks about you know, all these colours and everything in heaven, God's trying to explain to us, you can't really get it with your human eyes. You can only see a wee bit of the spectrum. I see everything. I see the whole of the moon. <laughs> right? Yeah. I see the whole of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so never be afraid of the darkness because Jesus said I am the light I am the light did anybody go out and look at the stars last night how amazing were they last night out into the wee dark shadow uh, I was just telling the lane, and I looked up. You could see the whole of the Milky Way. Oh, it's the first time I've seen it. It's the first time you've seen it? Did you see a belt? I did, the whole lot. And I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? How insignificant is, in terms of size and vastness in the whole universe, is this wee blue planet? 
And yet God surrounds this wee blue planet with all his love. This immense God of the whole universe. <coughs> For some reason beyond our human understanding. Entered. A spiritual being entered. The sun entered this planet and our humanity. So that we might know there's more than just this planet Come to live on. Mm. That's hope. That's hope, isn't it? Thanks for great. Charity. And do not forget to do good and share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased right now. We've been talking about impoverished parts today, haven't we? So usually when I hear the word charity, I don't like the word charity, right? Um, I'm one of these old fans, I don't want your charity. Right? Yep. But actually there have been times in my life I've needed charity. Yep. And I've not necessarily been about needing money or a five or putting a wee cup or something. I'm talking about that kind of charity. I was telling one of the guys last night, when I first uh, got sober, I, had, uh, I was going for an interview. I'd been unemployed for some considerable time. And um, I, was, I was going for an interview. I never did any interview clothes. So a pal of mine, a scaffolder, yeah. believe it or not. Difficult to know that in scaffold. Any scaffolders in here? Yeah, here we go. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he said to me, Dave, I think I've got an old suit in the house. I'll give you that to go for your interview. I thought, that's brilliant. He says, I says, I've never wore it. He says, he says, and I have bought it. He says, and it's too wee for me. The truth of the matter is, he knew I'd been gone front of you and had bought me a suit. Oh. Oh. That's why it's hard to believe a scaffolder would go. But I love scaffolders now. But, and that's what he did. He bought me a suit. Uh, and I got the job. And so, maybe you'll find other people that have got impoverished parts. Do your best to try and help them to do something about that. Something you have to just be, give a wee hand. You know, so charity is about helping people to achieve or to get something that they don't have the resources to get. That's what charity is. <coughs> And so, lending an ear to someone's troubles or encouraging them and speaking, uh, and speaking life over them is a way of providing charity. But you're not doing it in a kind of... The same charity that we need, I would like... If I was receiving charity, I would like it to be done with dignity. Yeah. And so we treat human, other human beings with dignity and respect maybe there's a wee impoverished part in you where you've been disrespected. Eh? Could we start bringing some of that back in where you can... Jesus says, it doesn't matter, I respect you, I love you. Remarkable. Remarkable. And one of the big problems about sin in our modern world, we think that God gets offended by the sin, but actually, if he's still getting offended... What about the cross? So God's no longer offended by our sin. He wants us to live with all of these virtues in our life. Why? Because it's good for us. 
That's why. It's a bare way of life. It's just bare. So you know how you get the Ten Commandments? Ah, I'm sorry, I don't like the Ten Commandments because I fail at them. And I keep looking and I keep failing at them. And I remember speaking to a guy called Miles Monroe. Anybody know heard of Miles Monroe? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember doing a conference and Miles was at this conference and I was chatting to him about the Ten Commandments. And he says to me, Dave, you've got the idea of the Ten Commandments wrong. I says, I don't know, tell us what to do. He says, no, no, no anymore. He says, when Jesus on the cross and he said, it is finished, it wasn't just his work that was finished. It was the idea of obedience to the old covenant that was finished. Because just before he died, he says, I'm going to give it a new and everlasting covenant that's not dependent on your performance. Yes. Oh, what a God we have. What a God we have. What a God we have. Next one, Derek. Nearly there. Two sides to go, I think. Responsibility. For each one shall carry his own load. Now, I want to get a, there's a, a wee quirk in this scripture that I think, that's brilliant. We've to carry his own load. Not the load that somebody else has gave you. That your uh, peers or your teachers or your parents gave you. Some people, you know how people dump on you? Yeah. And you're carrying, they would saw the load, right? Because <coughs> a part of me thinks, we have to carry some responsibility. Mm-hmm. We, have to, we can't just say, ah, oh, no, I'm just hopeless, so I'll not take any. We have to be responsible. Okay. Okay, I think it's the last one now. Compassion. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. Okay? Um, Sometimes we're in so much pain, or pain gets triggered by this, and we think, how do I have compassion in myself to put this out? How do I escape from this pain? And so, for those of us from an addiction background, we knew how to get rid of the pain. Yeah. And here's the thing, it works. But only for a short space of time. And then it takes and takes and takes and takes and takes until it leaves you with nothing. Until it leaves you with absolutely nothing. And so, to be compassionate, that whole, that, that whole word compassion means that we suffer together. That's why when Jesus saw the people, he w- and they, had, they were like sheep without a sheep, he cried actually, he wept at times. Feeding the 5,000, he wept. When he saw Mary and Martha, he wept. He was moved with compassion. Actually, compassion and empathy are very, very similar. So, learn to walk in somebody else's shoes before you start judging them. Okay? And last slide, I'm going to go for our lunch after this. Here's a few exercises that kindle kindness. Find a need and meet it. Yeah. Okay? Maybe you're needing yourself. Well, but this one, here's a wee exercise oh, wow. for you to do this afternoon. Yeah. I want you to write 
a compassionate letter to your 15-year-old self. Giving them advice on how they should live their lives. To your 15-year-old self. What would you tell them now that you've journeyed? Now, you can't tell them what's going to happen to them. That's not what I mean. It's like you're instructing them for the next however many years of life how they should live. And then read it, and it has to be a compassionate letter. Right? No, hey, you daffy, don't go out with any bad guys, you'll end up in the jail. Know that. Right? Okay. What's the relationship? Buy yourself a small gift that has meaning only for you. It can be anything, small gift. And finally, when you've had a real bad day, remember, we start each day afresh in the mercy of God. The final scripture is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never end or come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. This has been the Freedom Fighter Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to connect with our services or you want more info or details about upcoming events, connect with us online at www.freedomfighter.life or drop us an email at info at freedomfighters.life. Until next time, God bless you.